Hi everyone, and welcome to the 197th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hey guys! Churro! What's up? I know what the PlayStation 5 looks like. Oh my god, do you? Churro! What? I wish I didn't know what the PlayStation 5 looks like. Well, you know what? You know what the PlayStation 5 looks like. Yep. I, I know what it looks like now, and now I kind of wish I didn't know what it looked like anymore. It looks so bad. You can't unsee it now. I can't unsee it. There used to be a universe where I didn't know what an innocent time that used to be. It but just churro. looks like a, a Wi-Fi modem. Yeah, it looks like a Wi-Fi router. I've seen, like, Wi-Fi router, coffee maker, uh, Seto Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Cell from Dragon Ball... I've seen it all. It's it's awful. But, Churro, I have good news. While I have seen what the PlayStation 5 looked like, and I wish I didn't know what it looked like anymore, uh, in, in contrast to that, I've also seen PlayStation 5 games, and th- those look pretty nice. So They look really nice. That's that's the good part. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later, uh, but yeah just to give you guys a little bit of a taste of how we're how we're feeling about all that we're feeling pretty good so anyway for you new folks kingdom hearts union is part of the podcast series called final fantasy and kingdom hearts union and is presented by the gaming union network we release every tuesday rotating each week with final fantasy union and we come out on the itunes store spotify kingdom hearts union.com and kingdom hearts union's twitter which is at cage union we have a two-segment show today. Our first segment is our news segment, where we're going to talk about lots of stuff. There's Kingdom Hearts news. There's uh, gaming news. There's all kind of news, so definitely stick Maybe for that. We got news. We got news. We got Kingdom Hearts news, too. It's my favorite that, kind of that's, news. That's amazing, finally. It's amazing and rare. Yep. Especially these days. And uh, finally, we have our question segment. In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And our executive producers for this episode are as follows. We have Nahika Blaui, Alex and Rachel Troutman, who are at Akira Namjin, Guide Seeker, Billy Jackson, who's at underscore Billy Jackson, Chris Morales, Miles Ribbons, Michael Graham, David Calro, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Chris Pope, who's at Dr. Pope181, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre23, and sure, if you could take these last ones. We have Yannick Nod, who's at Yannick Nod, Toy Patrick, Freya Stella, Fayez Biali, Flip Sirdnus, Lewis James, Tom Hughes, who's at Tom underscore Hughes22, Zach Duranto, Yam Potato Exclamation Point, Rachel Catchton, who's at Uber Yoon Ray, Zelda Clone and Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews at Doomster73, and Joseph Robertson, who's at Pokemon Trainer J. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And just as a reminder, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind Spoilers are fair game. Not saying we are specifically going to go for them, but uh, if they come up, they may come up. So, just so you know. And then, uh, just going to throw this out there. Our uh, 200th episode is coming up soon. We're currently thinking maybe, maybe live stream it. Not sure. Um, but if you if you think you'd uh, like to join, uh, let us know if if that sounds good. I'm not sure what would be any different about a live stream version. 
but uh we we've done it in the past actually we did it for episode 100 churro we yeah. did a live stream for episode 100 might as well that, that, that turned out really well yeah it did turn out well only downside i will say is uh you know since episode 100 uh scheduling is a lot more complicated because I'm, I'm out here in japan churros and california time gap is very uh difficult but i might have some days off around the time that we're that we usually record the podcast and, and around that time so uh it, even if the time is a little inconvenient for me if i have those days off then maybe it's doable maybe so we'll we'll, we'll see but uh, yeah, that'll that'll be for the future. We're uh, so currently that episode, you know, if we continue on our same uh, schedule as we do every other week, uh, that episode would come out on the twenty eighth. And usually we record the podcasts on uh, on the weekends, uh, uh, Saturday Sunday. That would be twenty fifth, twenty sixth. But I have days off. Maybe I'm not sure because of coronavirus. But I have days off at least on my schedule, uh, 23rd, 24th. So, uh, maybe thinking around 23rd, 24th time frame, uh, that we could potentially do a live stream. So we'll see, uh, let you know via Twitter, via the upcoming podcast. There's plenty of time till then to hash that stuff out. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that pretty much wraps up the announcements and moving on to the news segment. Yay. Churro, I have really great news as the first piece of news. What's that? Like, amazing news. So, you can play every single Kingdom Hearts game. Asterisk that matters. (laughs) You can play every Kingdom Hearts game that matters on Xbox now if you have Game Pass. It's all on there. Kingdom Hearts 1.5 is on there. Kingdom Hearts 2.5 is on there. Kingdom Hearts 2.8 is on there. And Kingdom Hearts 3 is on is there. That a, is that a woo or a woo-woo? That's a woo-woo. That's a huge <laughs> woo-woo. Like, this is like, you get a console, you get everything if you get Game Pass. Which, if you have an Xbox and you don't have Game Pass, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you bought that thing. Because Game Pass is such a good deal. It's probably one of the best deals in gaming. And... Everything is on there. It's all there. So that's that's huge. So it, yeah, plus if, Game Pass is totally worth it too. It's if somebody it totally who is. has had it in the past. Yeah, it's super worth it. Like if you like games, like so much is on there. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you like Kingdom Hearts. So literally, uh, the entirety of a series that you like is on there. So that just like sets the you know the threshold of what's on there uh yakuza series several yakuza games uh are on there or at least are uh becoming to be on there i think right now uh you can get yakuza zero which is my favorite yakuza game and i think yakuza kiwami the first one is on there and i think kiwami 2 is going to come on there soon uh devil may cry 5 is on there near automata is on there uh I'm trying to think of games that fans of our podcast would like i mean just grand theft auto 5 is on there uh there's so much (laughs) there's so much churro so much like legit like really really good games are on game pass 
And I'm not an Xbox fanboy, and we're going to be actually fanboying a lot on PlayStation, but I am a fanboy and a, a feeler of mass respect when it comes to Microsoft and their services, because I just got to say, Microsoft is the true next gen when it comes to the service, the services around games and how games are consumed. In terms of hardware and games and the bleeding edge of technology and pushing games forward as a medium, maybe that's Sony. But in terms of like consumer experience, in terms of, you know, getting games out there, I, I definitely feel it's Microsoft. I will just also say, Churro, I would say more than games like Kingdom Hearts, even though I'm, you know, this is, you know, Kingdom Hearts podcast, and I'm very happy for that. I would actually say, as as someone who loves all kinds of video games, I actually like Game Pass more so for the smaller games, for the indie games, the games that I probably, like, I'm not sure about, like, I'm not 100% on you know, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to purchase a certain game, but if it's like already there on Game Pass, I would give it a download and try it out. I'm talking games like Super Hot. I'm talking games like Outer Wilds. Uh, I forget what that neighbor game is called. It's this like creepy game where it's not that creepy. It's like you have a creepy neighbor and you want to know what's going on is in his house and you're like if anything the kid you play is creepy because <laughs> you like you like try to break into his house and then if he catches you he like chases you across the street it's really it's really about a hello neighbor hello neighbor that's right that's that's the one yeah, hello my, neighbor my nephews are so obsessed with that right now yeah hello neighbor it's really it's really interesting it's like very frightening the first time you play it and also when, the, the good thing about that game is that the neighbor is actually gets smarter as yep. it goes along he knows your yep. patterns and stuff so uh you know games like that like uh, i'm i'm sure you've experienced this churro like where you go on like the app store, for example, like on iOS, you go on the app store and you're looking for a new game and, you know, maybe you're looking for a game you never tried before. Maybe you're looking for an indie game, but you just get drowned with so many games on iOS that are so low quality. You're just drowned in low quality games. You're drowned in games that are clones of other games. But on Game Pass, it's only good stuff. You know, it, it's it's more a matter of would you, like what, would you what personally be into it? Maybe not. But if it's on Game Pass, it's guaranteed something good. Because Apple has their own thing called Apple Arcade. Yeah, yeah. They have which that. Which is like, that, you know, more which recent. is done by, you know, indie companies or even big name companies i mean yep. hell i mean hironobu sakaguchi has a game on there that he's working on yeah i actually like this platform a lot better for indies than pretty much anything else because one of the big problems on ios on iphone and i guess also on android is that there's this concept of the the race to the bottom where games used to cost when when they first start started charging for games they used to cost you know 
$3, $4. And then, you know, you have a couple of companies out there that are the outliers like Square Enix where they'll sell you a mobile game for like 20 bucks. Right. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they don't care. But like for pretty much everyone else that's not Square Enix selling you your childhood back to you again, but on your phone, for everybody else, you can't go on the iPhone app store and sell a game for more than a dollar, two dollars, or you're just never going to, no one's going to download your game, you know? So a lot of people, they end up selling, they end up putting their game on the app store for free. And then what do you do? Then you have to focus more on in-app purchases and expansion packs and, you know, currency for the game and all this nonsense. Whereas with Game Pass, it's different. These are games that you can buy if you want to buy them. But through this service, especially if it's a game that you just want to try out or a game that you're only going to play once or play to completion and then when it's done, it's done. With Game Pass, you're already getting all these games anyway and it's already in your library. So like if you want to give it a try, might as well. You know, same thing as Netflix. Like how many things that are on Netflix now would people go out of their way to go pay for to go watch some other way? Probably not many. Like, for example, Avatar Less Airbender recently has been getting really popular again because it, since it's come back on Netflix. Like, Avatar Less Airbender is not new. It's actually very old, and it's it's always been good, and it was popular before. But now that it's available on Netflix and people have access to it very easily, and it's, you know, at least in their mind free, in reality, they're paying for it through Netflix, but... Since it's just so accessible, that's why people are playing it and that's why people are getting into it again or for the first time is because of the accessibility. And that's what Game Pass brings. So I know this has been kind of a long rant about Game Pass, but I'm just saying like I love what Game Pass is and I love that it's being it's very helpful for smaller developers to get their stuff out there smaller developers that are actually legitimately making quality games it's putting those games out there in front of people that otherwise would not have touched them would not have played them and it's also great for the gamers as well because you know we get exposed to all these great games we get chances to play games that we otherwise wouldn't have played and legitimately these are really awesome games like if you look at the metacritic score of most of the games that are on here they're really high like go look up near automata and what that metacritic is and you know yakuza zero and stuff like that like these are really high-end well-reviewed games that you can get for what 10 bucks a month like that's insane so i can't like overstate how much of a good deal game pass is moving on true so Kingdom Hearts Dark Road, there's been a lot of uh, announcements. Uh, Square's been doing this like little campaign thing where they're like, uh, you know, posting news. Uh, you know, they got like a little bit of a drip feed going of little things here and there. Uh, well, they, I mean, they did. They did have to delay the game. Yeah, they did have to delay the game. So, but it's it, it's now you know very clear that things are shaping up. You know, they're at a they're at a state where they can finally start showing stuff. And, uh, yeah, some of the first stuff that they showed, uh, through this new little, uh, campaign that they're doing around this time is, uh, new characters. So these four new characters are really interesting. They have, uh, 
these really unique names. Churro, what do you think about these new characters so far? Uh, I think do you like look, the designs? Designs are really great. You know, no, I like when it comes them. to designs, yeah, Nomaro's really good at that. Yeah. Yeah, these designs I really like. I like all their faces. I like all of them. And actually, one thing that I really appreciate is that they really do fit in with the costumes that uh, Ericus and Xehanort are already wearing. Like, they don't really stand out in a as being, like, characters that were just drawn recently. Like, they feel connected. Yeah, they feel like they're part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that part, I, that part I appreciate. They feel right to, you know, what the what these characters are supposed to look like. So I like that. That part's cool. How do you feel about the names? <sighs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, they, they're interesting. The interesting names, you know, I know, and. Um, I mean, Namara. I mean, sure, Namara has his reasons for naming them like that, but yeah, you got to give us something better. Yeah, to pronounce. I mean, okay, I I, I will say this much: like th- when you look up what the what the meanings of the names are, they're interesting. You know, there there is definitely interesting implications from the names, so I get that, but it's like. I don't know, at least to me as a, an English speaker, a lot of these, they don't quite come out of the mouth as easy. Yeah. And uh, I know that if it's hard for me to say them, I know it's hard for Japanese people to say it too. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's rough. So uh, let's let's go through these names and these characters and uh, we'll, we'll talk about what their backgrounds are. I will, I'll just, you know, preface this that, yeah, basically all the characters, they have names that come from Norse mythology. So these are all North, Norse mythological characters. Churro, maybe you're a little bit more prepped for uh, this stuff than I am since you just uh, finished playing through uh, God of War recently. So maybe some of these, some of these names are maybe a little bit more familiar to you than they are to me. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> so well, I mean, so, some of these names have appeared in like Final Fantasy games as well. That's true, yeah, that's true. So, we've got uh, first, first one is uh, Erd. Erd is uh, uh, she's like a taller girl, she's got like uh, I don't know, it's like a side ponytail thing going on. Uh, she's probably my uh, favorite of the two uh, new female characters, and uh, she's so she's in a trio in North Norse mythology. Uh, and in this trio, they're no, they're known as, this is going to be a bit of a tongue twister. They're known as the Norns known as the Norns. That's, that's hard to say. So they're known as the Norns. There's three Norns and the Norns are these mythological, uh, beings that, basically shape destiny of both men and of gods and they basically sit at the base of the world tree Yggdrasil and you know by looking at the world tree they're able to divine and figure out and decide the destinies the fates of you know of men and of gods as I said so First one is Erd, and Erd basically represents the past and also represents fate. 
And uh, yeah, she's uh, she's interesting because she's got gray hair. She's also got orange eyes. Oh no, churro! That means stuff. <laughs> in 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 my day, those were fighting words. Well, in my yeah, day, so. they were they were half Satan words. <laughs> yeah, so you know when I see Erd and I see this, I'm like. Mm. I feel things about you since you have gray hair and orange eyes. I have a feeling you might be half Xehanort already, as Zigbar might have said. Uh, next next person on the list, we got... Churro, we're, we're going to be going back and forth on this one forever on how her name is pronounced. So it's... uh, Let's start with the spelling. The official spelling in the English version is V-O-R, which, if we went by English pronunciation, it would be Vor. That's what it would be if it was English pronunciation. That's not to say it's not Vor, but in in the Japanese uh, pronunciation, according to the katakana that they use, it's more along the lines of Ver, and... Other translations of uh, so uh, mo- moving towards uh, you know her background in North Norse mythology, the character the Norn that she represents is known as Verdandi. So, you know, kind of emphasizing the idea that her name is actually pronounced Ver or Ver or something like that. So. It'll be hard to say until we hear somebody say her name. Unfortunately, at least through my experience with Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, there usually is never voice acting, except for like the opening cutscene that one time when you really first start and then you hear Kyrie's grandmother talk about this time period. You know, she tells her story. Um, apart from that, there's no voice acting. So I don't even know when we're gonna get this answer. Right until until somebody actually tells us like the uh, like official pronunciation. Yeah. So impossible to say. And like churro, sometimes like there's a right way to pronounce it, but then the localization st- staff will do whatever they want. So because they don't keep up with this stuff, they don't keep up with the news like we keep up with the news. So who knows. So, uh, so that's, that's, uh, Ver or Vor or whoever, uh, side note, uh, I want to relate this to another character that we already know about because this person actually is also based on the name of one of the three Norns and that's Skuld from, uh, from, uh, Union, Union Cross that, uh, we've known about for a long time. She was kind of an outlier where her name was related to uh Norse mythology Norse mythology as well. And uh basically uh she oh so I, I didn't actually uh explain Ver too much. So uh Ver is the norn that represents the present and things that are happening now. That is to say. So she's about the present, Erd is the past. Vor is the present, so obviously that means Skuld is the future. Uh, Have you ever noticed that like these deal with like, like time? Yeah, time. especially in a world where you know time traveling 
Yep. What's big in Kingdom Hearts? Yep. And uh, I, I will also say that as far as we know, Scald actually is, even though she represents the future, she's in the past. She's in the past of the world that Vor or Ver and Erd are in. So, yeah, that's kind of a that. interesting with, thing. With a remind how it went, you know, from Daybreak Town to Scala Kylum. Yep, I think if I remember, or was it vice versa? Uh, yeah, it went from Daybreak Town to be, uh, and then so Daybreak Town, there was some kind of calamity, and then at some point it became Scala Kylum somehow. Magic churro, that's how. Magic. No more magic. No more magic, exactly. So somehow that happened. So we'll have I'm guessing Dark Road will somehow explain that, maybe. But uh so so that's what we know. Uh so yeah, uh Skull, she's an old character, but at least in Norse Norse mythology, she relates strongly to Erd and Ver, so it's uh, at least a good idea to remember this sort of stuff. Uh, next character is uh, Bragi, and uh, Bragi is this like really, I don't know, cocky looking kid. He's got a cool jacket, puffy, uh, puffy collar. I like him. Kind of reminds me of a uh, Squall's jacket from uh, Kingdom Hearts One, or no, Kingdom Hearts Two actually. So uh, he looks really cool. But yeah, as a lot of people have pointed out, Bragi sounds a lot like Brag. <laughs> So, and and if we talk about what we know about Brag and the fact that he's actually Lushu and the fact that he's lived many lives and he transfers from body to body and takes many forms, uh, Churro, I'm just going to say it, it might be Brag, maybe, or uh, Brag slash Lushu. We don't know. We, but maybe. we don't know, but there's a lot of theories that's, that's, that's pointing to. I, I, I mean, clearly, with the way he named him, that's the hint. That's it, it, it may be a red herring, but it's obvious that that's his intention, Namor's intention, that he wants you to think he's Lucian. Yeah. So, that's the intention there. So, talking about Bragi, uh, Bragi in Norse mythology is a wise bard of Valhalla that lives in the Hall of Odin, and he's a, you know, a mythological figure that represents poetry. So, an interesting thing about poetry, I don't know about Bragi in his historical, mythological uh representations but at least in terms of general myth- mythology you know something interesting about poetry is it's usually not true and you know uh in at least in uh english you know we have the general uh saying about uh spinning a yarn or telling a tale telling tall tales uh usually means lying someone who is a liar so there's possibilities that maybe he's not the most truthful of the bunch but i mean you also have to consider this is namora bragi looks like somebody who's up to no good and you gotta that remember. probably means he's not actually up to no good because that would be too obvious for namora oh you gotta remember uh Bragg slash Zigbar wasn't exactly truthful either. Yeah, he wasn't. So 
Yeah, there's there's a lot to at least keep your eye on him. I would say is a, a fair assessment. At least keep your eye on that guy because uh, I don't know. Somebody who represents poetry means they they're good at probably uh, telling stories and telling things that aren't true, but making you feel like they're true. So might be interesting to keep that in mind. The last new character is Hermod, Her- and Hermod in. Uh, Norse mythology is a son of Odin and brother of Baldur. And I know Baldur f- for sure is in uh, God of War. I know he's in yes. it. So is 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 Hermod is, is there a Hermod in uh in God of War? I didn't think so. I think there is. Okay. So yeah, so Hermod is the son of Odin and happens to be a brother of uh Baldur. And he is considered to be a messenger of the gods. And uh, kind of reminds me in Greek mythology of uh, Hermes. You know, there was Hermes that was uh, the messenger for Zeus. So there's some uh, similarity there. But yeah, in, in the case of Hermod, he's uh, yeah brother of Baldur, son of Odin. So and, and messenger of the gods. That kind of gives you kind of like a, a vibe that this guy has some pretty high standing, you know, he's pretty important, you know, he's literally son of the big guy, Odin. That's pretty big. Brother of Baldur, that's pretty big. And he's a messenger to the gods, so this guy's definitely, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, I mean, obviously there's huge parallels here to the foretellers. If I had to pick a foreteller he reminded me of, it would be uh, Ira the main guy with the unicorn mask. He he looks like a nice guy. Who knows what he actually is? You know, with any of these, it could be anything. So hard to say. Uh, Churro, what, what are your general vibes of these characters? You know, what, what are you, what are you feeling now that we know, you know, they're related to Norse mythology. They have, you know, some of them have very strong and striking things that they're associated with. You know, Erd and Ver are both, you know, they're basically like harbingers of destiny. You know, one of the past and one of the present. And then we have Skuld, who's not tied to any of this because she's not here. She's somewhere else. Uh, but she relates to the future. And then we've got Bragi, who, you know, is a poet, a bard, but who knows how uh, reliable he is. And then we've got Hermod, who seems very uh, important. Like, what what are you feeling about these characters so far? I think that they're all in, the, all in for another tragic. Yes. <laughs> it's like, but the, with the way this, the way this series pans out, I think they're all in. And for a tragic ending, they're all doomed, basically. I and basically, you know, because this is Dana Nord's story of how he, you know, you know, used, you know, led it to the, you know, you know, the, the, you know, the dark road is pretty much what the game title is. So basically, in order to for him to create his path towards the darkness, you know, sacrifices were made. Yeah. You know, considering how you said that one of the characters had, you know, gray hair and. And, you know, orange eyes, you know, yeah. so maybe, you know, because I remember how when, uh, 
in Pursuit of Darkness, when um, Xehanort took over Terra's body, he started experimenting on the heart and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, basically, at some point, you know, something... Uh, and then we all know from Remind that the Master of Masters did come to Xehanort at some point, tell him about the darkness. And yep. I, I, I think that is what caused, you know his path down the dark road and pretty much use these guys since they're they were his closest mates you know usually yep. they're the ones that are the most trustworthy to you mm-hmm. so he probably just used them to further his own goals yeah i really wonder uh churro what if any connections we're gonna see between dark road and union cross because uh, you know as we mentioned earlier you know, there is a connection, and eventually what will befall the people in Union Cross is that Daybreak Town will be destroyed, and once it's been destroyed, it will eventually be, you know, recreated as Scala Al-Kylum. But, you know, we don't know, does everybody die at the end of that? Maybe some people don't die. I mean, obviously, Lushu makes it. He makes it to the other side and he continues down his path because he eventually becomes Bragg and Zigbar. And we see what happens to him at the end of uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 after all of that nonsense. And he's got the box and everything. So he makes it. But are there any other characters? What about Ephemer? And what about Skuld? And what about the other foretellers? Like, you know, what what happens to all these people? Uh, You know, who is like we there is one character we've heard of that exists in this timeline that we've yet to ever see and that's the master of uh uh Xehanort and the master of Ericus we've never seen them before uh but they have uh made reference to him back when uh they were first playing chess it's like oh have you listened to the master's story you know, the one about the lost masters, like they taught, like the master there knows about what happens to the people in Union Cross. And that's why they built that uh, yeah. machine that showed the destruction of Daybreak Town. Yeah. And it was also a key element in the final battle in Kingdom Hearts 3 where you fight yep. underwater. Because basically that wasn't just a coincidence that you're yeah. fighting underneath. They're there. showing you what happened. Yeah. So, so there's definitely a big connection there. I wonder. I'm sure at first they probably won't go too in depth on that kind of stuff. You know, they need to establish the main story of Dark Road before they make connections. But uh, yeah, that's definitely something I'm interested to see is how all that uh, shakes out, how that all connects. But uh, yeah, ultimately it looks looks pretty interesting. Uh, moving on from there, so we, we were talking about characters before. They're also, in some of their uh, news stuff that they've been putting out, they just recently showed some uh, screenshots from uh, that showed the gameplay and some cutscenes. Uh, cutscenes take place in various parts of Scala Ad Kylum, but there's also an interesting one that takes place on, uh, on Destiny Islands, where you have the brown-cloaked figure talking to uh Xehanort kind of reminds me of uh you know the scene that we experienced with uh in Birth by Sleep or or not Birth by Sleep in uh Dream Drop Distance where Ansem Seeker of Darkness travels back in time to Xehanort to try to convince him to go down this uh dark path you know preparing him to take p- part in uh in Dream Drop Distance 
and, and that that whole plot you know get him to time travel to the future and try to help steal Sora and then also have him take part in uh the events of Kingdom Hearts 3 like all of that happens like in a short amount of time so to speak for uh for that Xehanort because he can time travel and then once it's all over you know we see what becomes of him we defeat him uh at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3 but then he he just he makes it clear like yeah I'm just going to go back to my body and live my life and become that old man so bye so I wonder, Tro, do you think like uh, through Dark Road, do you think we'll ever like get to experience some of this, some of these events through the eyes of uh, of Xehanort? I think that'd be pretty cool if we could like experience the events of uh, of Dream Drop Distance, but through his eyes and experience that, the events of uh, at the end of three through his eyes. That'd be pretty cool. That's one of the yeah. things I liked about that one movie, um, not one movie, but that one game, uh, The Path of Neo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, you got to see things from his perspective that weren't in the movie, you know, in the movies because you're playing as Neo the entire time. Yep. So it's kind of neat to see, you know, you know, his upbringing to his decision to pursue the darkness, and then you know, and here and there add in, you know, different plots from the from the games to see how he was thinking and. One of the neat things I liked about during, um, I think it was Remind, yeah, when uh, Zaynort and uh, and Insignbar uh, were talking, and Syx were talking on the rocks about how you know the plan was coming together and stuff, and how they had to wait, you know, in time, mm-hmm. and all that. Like that shows us even more insight of what Zaynort, you know, was planning the entire time. You know, the whole that whole thing about him using you know leaving his body to go travel to the past to tell his past self you know that whole thing had to be planned out for a very long time you know for yep. him to wait that long you know so it's like the whole thing is just not a one giant mere coincidence <laughs> nope it really isn't so there's definitely like so many different like possibilities different plot points that they could go down like sure i don't see this ending anytime soon nope unfortunately but ironic, it, the ironic part is that we already see where this particular journey ends. We saw it in Remind, like him sitting on the rock, talking to the Master Masters, being like, "All right, so uh, what did you uh, what did you learn from your journey?" He's like, "Yep, turns out this world is screwed, and I'm the one to to that needs to you know destroy it pretty much with darkness." Like that, like we know what conclusion he comes to at the end of all of this. We already know what happens. So it's more like trying to figure out what led him to that point where after all of that stuff, why did he choose it? And the only thing I could think of is, uh, like you said, Churro, everything's going to go real bad for everybody. Right. It's going to have to be because like when you look at it, so far, we don't know anything in the present time. Like, the only thing we know in the present time is that the foretellers have come back. Yeah. And if we know it by that, you know, with the whole chess game, you know, being the new seven black pieces, you know, and uh-huh. all that, maybe they can come back as the pieces to help Sora in his jersey. In his journey. Yep. You know, it's a possibility for that, or these could be just entirely one-off characters just for the sake of Dark Root. Yep. 
I will point out that at least in the key art so far, uh, there are six characters. So there's potentially yep. one more piece that we don't know about that isn't there. Um, the only person I can think of that relates is Scold because she's tied to the three Norn imagery and, uh, she's not there because she doesn't exist in that. And at that time, she existed at a different time, which, you know, you consider she's, uh, you know, a harbinger of the future, a harbinger of destiny. There's time travel, you know, that could be all a, a ploy, all a joke by master of masters. Who knows? <laughs> But uh, may- maybe it's her. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's Maybelline. Who knows? It could be anything. But uh, yeah, all kind of all kinds of interesting stuff going on there. So yeah, moving on from there. Uh, just want to do a quick discussion about the PS5, all that stuff that we saw. I mean, we we don't currently have any confirmed projects, releases, or anything related to Kingdom Hearts for the PS5. But we know there'll there'll be stuff in the future. So uh, let's let's do a quick uh, discussion on that. Cheryl, how would you feel about the actual hardware, <laughs> the console? <sighs> I, I think it could be. We done alluded a lot to better. it before, but I think it could be done a lot better. Yeah, I I, I knew it was going to be like a vertical type thing because it seems like they're trying to like emulate the PCs, you know, kind of yeah. like how the Xbox Series X was. So there was there was no doubt in my mind it was gonna they try to go for a vertical look, but yeah, it just looks like one giant uh, modem router. Yeah, it looks like looks like a router. That's that's definitely I agree with you, man. A, a router uh, or like a giant uh dry, giant external hard drive, <laughs> something yep. like that. Uh, to my understanding, um, this is largely uh at least so far the reason it's so uh, the other thing that we haven't mentioned is it's huge it's a really big console like it's actually uh, it's not very thick but it is pretty thick but it's actually long very long and it's actually longer than the ps3 the original fat ps3 churro like it's that's huge it's like uh comparable in size to the original first Xbox. Wow. Like that's that's pretty impressive how long and and big the console is. Now, my understanding of it is is that the reason for all of this is this is such a huge jump in terms of technology that unfortunately because of all of that they really can't shrink it that much you know the because of the uh you know the intensity of how much they're putting into this stuff you know things like the cooling and all of that stuff has not yet been miniaturized so i definitely anticipate over the course of the next few years when newer versions of the playstation 5 will be made there will most likely at some point be a smaller version so, you know, they, they, they've always done that in the past, you know, PS2 had the PS2 slim PS3 had two different slim versions that they made over the course of the, you know, the years of that console and PS4 obviously had the PS4 slim and they actually, when, the, when they made the PS4 pro, they made it fatter, but you know, there was a slim version. So I will say that, you know, if you're put off by the design, 
you know, maybe wait a few years and there'll they be a there'll be a smaller one. Yeah, there'll be a smaller one for sure. But uh could you imagine like a PS5 Pro and it's even bigger? <laughs> well, I mean most PCs are huge nowadays, so Yeah, that's true. Go figure. It is, yeah, it's not not uh out of the realm of possibility, but yeah. Console wise, not a fan, but I guess the my my understanding of it is is it's it's because the technology that's inside there is really something special and unfortunately uh there's no magic they need to cool it some way and the cooling solution is pretty big uh my understanding is actually the dev kit version of the ps5 which is huge by the way the dev kit yeah. is huge it's got this massive v shape in it it actually has six different fans to cool it Wow. That like cross in a, in that V shape, there are six different fans to cool the PS5 dev kit version. So I can only imagine the retail version has to have some kind of cooling solution that's comparable to that. That's why it's so big, at least for now. So we'll have to see how that evolves in the future. Uh, I guess real quick, I do want to talk about Project Athia or Project Athia or however it's pronounced. Uh, as it is so far the only announced project uh, from Square Enix for the PS5 that we know of. Uh, Churro, how would you feel about it? You know, this is the uh, project by Luminous Productions. It's the thing they've been working on for, as far as I know, since Final Fantasy XV wrapped up production. They've been in. They've been working on this, and I guess as they finished with all the DLC for Final Fantasy 15 then I'm sure development went into overdrive. W- what was your impressions of it? It looked really beautiful. Yeah. It's, I mean Square Enix always knows how to push the boundaries on, you know, their graphics and the presentation of everything. You know, at first I thought it was like a tomb at that first I thought it was Tomb Raider, but then like when yeah. they saw magic come happen, I'm like, okay, this is not Tomb Raider. So, you know, I I thought it was like something like Final Fantasy 16-ish. Yeah, type of vibe to it. And I was like, "Oh boy, here we go. This is what we've been waiting for." And then, and then once like Luminous Studio appeared on screen, I was like, "I was like, oh man, they're they're really, there seems like they haven't given up on it." <laughs> yeah, but overall, it was actually really great, really good. I can't you know wait to see more of uh, of this. Mm-hmm. It's piqued my curiosity because like it plus not not only that new IPs from Square Enix obviously helps them with you know, downtime from their big IPs, you know, Dragon yep, Quest, Final Fantasy, exactly. Kingdom Hearts. So, you and know, the it's, more It's good IPs you bring that make. up. Because, yeah, this is, yeah, uh, officially speaking, this is a new IP. We don't, as far as we know, this is not going to be a Final Fantasy game. This is a new IP that uh, Luminous Studios is uh, working on. So... And yeah, they yeah they are uh, they are they are using the Luminous Studio engine still. Uh, and, and actually, I don't know if you felt this way, Chiro, but you know, just looking at it, it like visually looks very similar to Final Fantasy Fifteen. Like just in the way it's rendered, the art style. Uh, there's a lot of elements to it that feel very much like Final Fantasy Fifteen. But something I really like about it is the emphasis on movement. Like, it feels like they're going harder on that. Like, Final Fantasy XV had pretty good movement abilities, and you were able to explore a lot, but this definitely feels more along the lines of they want you to explore even more than you were able to 
in uh in Final Fantasy 15. So that part of it looks pretty interesting. Uh, I will just say uh, I, I have been keeping tabs a little bit on Luminous Productions and, and what their philosophy is. And it's interesting that you bring up uh, that it, to you it, when you saw it, it felt like Tomb Raider because that, that's actually kind of what their intention is. Uh, that's kind of their mission statement uh, on their website. They talk about how they want their studio to be like a Western studio that is in Japan. That that would that's actually their goal, and they actually do hire a lot of foreigners to work there. There's a lot of people that are. Um, I know that the concept one of the concept artists that worked there, she's ex Ubisoft. There's people that are ex Naughty Dog that work there. There's a lot of people that come from uh, Western studios that work there. Of course, there's lots of you know Japanese talent there. Of course, you know from Final Fantasy 15, but. In addition to that, they are they do hire a lot of foreigners. Their recruitment page is completely in English and Japanese, and uh, yeah, it's a do very that, interesting uh, studio. That that new um, hire from Capcom is involved in this project. He might be involved in that project. That's a good point that you bring him up. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a guy from Capcom that I think he he's from uh, Devil May Cry. If I'm yeah, not, Devil May Cry. Yeah, he, he comes from the Devil May Cry team. Uh, and he's coming on to Square Enix to help with an action game as a uh, battle director. I don't know if it's this, because there is another team that's working in uh, the Business Division 1 that they have a next-gen action game that's in production that we don't know what it is. It could be that. For all we know, it's Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Probably not. I don't. Th- I don't think they need uh too much help when it comes to action and battle direction. But uh, it's a good point, Churro. It could be this team. It could be uh the thing that uh Business Division One is also working on. It could be the thing that Business Division Three is working on that people are assuming is Final Fantasy Sixteen. You know, there's there's all kinds of possibilities. Uh, Square Enix definitely has a lot of uh action titles in production now so yeah we'll have to see uh just real quick on uh project athia one thing that i really liked about it uh you know apart from you know how much more this feels open world than uh uh you know final fantasy 15 obviously very open world but in some ways it was uh kind of limited in what you what you could explore this feels a lot more explorable um one element that I really liked is the visual effects. They have these really good fluid simulations. Like the clouds look really puffy and look like they're really dynamic. And like, maybe you could even interact with them or they had that dragon where like the smoke was just billowing off of it. And as it moved, like he would move through the smoke and the smoke would kind of move with him. Like that's that like this is a team that is taking a very different direction with how they want to push the boundaries further they're they're taking kind of a specific element of you know fluid simulation and trying to push that forward and that's that's been an area that there's been developments here and there but it's never really stuck like it hasn't it hasn't been something that all game studios have taken and run with yet like uh for example a game that actually did this last generation or uh, i say last year it's actually current generation 
is uh, Batman Arkham Knight on PC. So if you play Arkham Knight on PC and you have an NVIDIA graphics card, there's a NVIDIA uh, fluid effects thing that you can turn on. And then when you do things like a burnout, if you do a burnout in the Batmobile, like smoke will be kicked up by the Batmobile. And it's actually smoke just like what you see in this project at Athia trailer. And uh, yeah, like the tech demos for stuff for technology like this have existed. I kid you not since like 2004, like the first NVIDIA demo that I saw that had smoke like this. They had smoke in like this tiny little, uh, I don't know, glass cabinet looking thing that had it was like in the shape of an NVIDIA logo and then it like dissolved. Like they had a demo like that, I kid you not, in 2004. But it's taken so long for games to finally like pick this up and tr- try to use it. So I'm really excited to see what they do with it because I-, I don't see any other games that are taking that route right now. Uh, other than that, I guess like real quick, let's talk about some of the games that we were impressed by. I, I think at least for me, like I'm really interested in uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Kena or Kenna. That uh, indie game looks beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Oh my God, that's like that game alone is like one of the reasons why I want to get a PS5. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't blame you. It that looks amazing, and uh, both of those games, Miles Morales and Kena, they're going to be releasing uh, end of this year. So, um, that's something kind of interesting is we don't know uh any launch titles for the PS5 yet. Like we have Miles Morales and we have Kenna that are holiday 2020. And we know that the PS5 is supposed to release holiday 2020. So you would assume that means these are launch titles, but we don't know what the launch is. And none of the wording around the the release of those two games says that they are launch games. So we don't know exactly what's launch, what's not launch, but I guess uh, for the time being, we know that they're at least close to launch in the launch window. So yeah, those two look good. Horizon 2 looks awesome. Demon Souls, even though I've never played a Souls game and I'm not sure if I would like it, it does look interesting to me. It does. It looks really beautiful. I know for you, Churro, uh, Resident Evil is big, right? Yes, because I've I've been I've been a Resident Evil fan since the, like the first one on PlayStation. So basically, you know, it's I'm just interested to see was when Resident Evil Seven came out. I was yeah. surprised at the direction they went with. It was now really different. See, Resident it, Evil Seven it was really different. And then this is a, a whole nother new direction. Yep, another whole direction with the same characters from the previous games. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I've never really played a Resident Evil game, but I gotta say, just as an outsider looking in, I really love the art style in this. Just watching the trailer and like seeing the witches and all that stuff, like, oh man, that looks so cool. Do you think they're, uh, like, they haven't said anything VR related so far, and as far as we know, this is a you know, a, a first-person game. You think they're going to do a VR for this? No, I I, I would, wouldn't be surprised because, you know, when they develop Resident Evil 7, they develop with VR in mind. Yeah. And what are the accessories that we're releasing after the 
the uh, presentation was like they had like a camera that you can attach to yeah. a TV. So I'm guessing that's probably for VR, and because VR camera has two cameras on it to yeah, so, that's right. So I'm guessing they are going forward with VR with the PS5 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping they uh yeah they keep pushing VR forward. I know that they're not done with VR because I don't know if you saw like a, a couple weeks ago there was like a like a tech demo released that Sony put out talking about the new hand controllers that they're making for their next generation uh, VR. And they're really cool. It kind of reminds me of how the Oculus and the H uh, and the valve index, how they have the hand controllers where you like, when you move your fingers away from the controller, it can sense that your fingers are moving away. So you can actually like make hand poses and like the way your fingers move actually affects the hands in the game so you can you can grasp things in a very you know specific way so you have a lot of control over that so yeah that all that kind of stuff is really interesting so i'm really excited and i kind of feel like at that point maybe that's the chance for uh valve to release uh half-life alex on uh on a console and then maybe a lot you know a lot more people will be able to play it than right now because man that valve index is really expensive so yeah, lots of really great stuff. Uh, I, I will just point out real quick, like uh, Ratchet and Clank specifically. Um, the Ratchet and Clank demo, if you haven't seen it, or the Ratchet and Clank trailer, that's definitely one you want to look at for seeing what next gen is all about and how load times are, you know, being handled. You know, the fact that you can just open up a, a, a rift in space and then in the matter of seconds, go to a completely different world in that gameplay. Was that, that was something that No Man's Sky was trying to do, like being able to mm-hmm. lift off from one planet to go in space and then land another planet without loading times. Yep. And this is like, not just like, like, yeah, the way, the way, uh, no, no Man's Sky was able to do that is, you know, since, everything is so far apart it takes time to go to the next place so in the time that it takes to go to the next place they can load it this is like throwing even that out the window and being like no we don't even need that time let's just open up a rip in space and go to the place like it's not completely seamless like they they have this like transition that lasts at most maybe eight seconds before you're in the next world but that's really impressive. And, you know, just seeing stuff like that, I, I just think about Kingdom Hearts because Kingdom Hearts from the very beginning has always had the concept of multiple worlds. Like, Churro, how crazy would it be if you could just like, I don't know, walk, walk through a portal and then just end up in the next world instantly. And like, I want like I know for rights reasons it would be impossible for disney characters to talk to each other i know that that was actually a problem for uh disney infinity they were not allowed to have any characters like have any serious interactions with any characters from another property but like how cool would that be just like walk that'd be very cool walk through a wall and end up in aladdin i mean do you think that uh things like gummy ship and travel would be eliminated because of that type of it's possible, which would be sad because I love the gummy ship. I love it so much. But or do you think they'll think they'll try to do like a No Man's Sky ish type of thing, where like instead of you know you just fly from one, use the gummy, still use the gummy ship, 
and then just land in without even loading. That's a, that's another possibility. Like there's there's different ways that this technology can be adapted. Like just uh, Ratchet and Clank, the way Ratchet and Clank does it is just the way that they chose to show it. Uh the best like analog I can uh or or the best like a- analogy that I can put to this is I don't know if you ever experienced Churro like back in the day with uh 3D. I'm not talking like when avatar was coming out i'm talking earlier i'm talking like in the 90s like i remember going to uh disney world in florida and there was like a muppets 3d experience and within like the first couple of minutes they 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 did all these like 3d gags to sort of like give you the 3d effect so there would be like uh there would be a character like holding a ladder and he would be walking and then someone would talk to him like, "Hey, uh, what's what are you what are you doing with, the, with that ladder?" And then he's like rotates, and the ladder like sticks out into the audience, and you're like, "Whoa!" And then you know, like, "Oh, here's a a boxing glove on a on an accordion spring, and like boxing glove out into the audience." Whoa! Look at crazy 3D. Like that's how I feel about the Ratchet and Clank demo. Is like, it's a really in your face way to show you the speed of the PlayStation's hard drive. That's literally what that game is all built on. I think for, in practice, in in other games, not every single game is going to do that exact same thing where you'll be instantly in one place, you'll be in one place and then instantly in another. That's, yeah, I'm sure many games will do that, but it's not going to be everybody. There'll be other novel ways of using it. And like you said, Churro, you know, doing something like going from a planet's surface in a spaceship and going up into space and then going to another place. All of that can be a lot more seamless. You know, all of that can be a lot more realistic, a lot more possible. You know, having bigger worlds just in general can be a lot more possible. There's all kinds of different ways that this technology can be utilized. You know, uh, another big one is, you know, the speed at which you can move through the world uh, in that Ratchet and Clank thing. Like you saw really early on, he was riding on that bug creature and he was booking it. He was going really fast through that world and and constantly seeing new stuff and new creatures, new enemies. And and then seeing all of that and then instantly going through a portal and then he's somewhere else flying on something else. Like all of this is really impressive. Like I'm excited for Kingdom Hearts to see what they do with it. I feel like this is all a big wake up call for the Final Fantasy VII remake team and being like, "Look, you're running out of excuses for why you can't do airships anymore." <laughs> like, cause, like, let's look at the technology. Look how good this is. It's like you can do it if you really want to. It's like, so please do it. So I'm excited to see what this all means. Um. I guess one thing real quick that I want to highlight is I don't know if you experienced this churro, but actually just yesterday I decided to rewatch the Ratchet and Clank uh, uh, trailer, but with headphones on because I I know Sony said watch this with headphones, but I actually finally did it. And uh, one of the big things for uh, PS5 is 3D audio, like where all the sounds are coming from in 3D space where they actually exist. And it's really impressive. Like, it's not just stereo sound. It's, like, really positional. 
Like the stuff really feels like it is where it is in space. Uh, there's this one part of not the trailer, but the gameplay demo for Ratchet and Clank that I really like the sound design of. There's this part where Ratchet and Clank, they're like running through a hallway and then this like massive ship falls through the ceiling and then fall it keeps falling. It just breaks through the full building and just keeps going. And the sound of, I don't know, I guess there were some people on that ship and they were screaming and you could hear them screaming and it was almost like the Doppler effect of like, oh, like that sound that like if you ever hear an ambulance going down the street and you can hear how like the pitch changes as it moves. Churro, what it sounds like if you wear headphones, it sounds a lot like Tower of Terror. Or now now it's the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. It sounded like people on a Tower of Terror like ride dropping and falling through the floor. It was really interesting. And hearing that and just how good the sound design was. I know just having the PS5 is not the solution to having good sound design. You have to have a good sound design team to have a good good sound design. But that is an area that I really hope the Kingdom Hearts team improves on. Because I really do love the Kingdom Hearts team. I feel like they do miracles. They do so many different art styles. But one area that I've always felt is a little bit on the lacking side is Kingdom Hearts and their sound design. And I will point out one scene that I think everybody can remember that will point this out to you very clearly. And that is Kingdom Hearts 2 when you first get to, or not first, but when you're in a world that never was and you are uh, going to memory skyscraper with Donald and Goofy and then the rain is falling and you hear it hitting Sora on his, uh, on his outfit. And it's like the tiniest little pitter patter. It barely sounds like rain at all. And it's like, why does it sound so bad? Rain is something that exists in the real world. I can say from experience, it rains very often in Japan. You couldn't get somebody outside with a microphone and record actual real rain. Why does it sound so bad? So that's definitely like an area that I hope in the future Square Enix improves on, especially if they ever think they could do a Star Wars world. You can't do Star Wars without good sound design. That's like sacrilegious. You can't do that. So I hope having 3D audio is kind of like the kick in the pants they need to start pursuing better sound effects, sound design, and all of that. Because, man, when it's done well, I highly recommend it. Check out the Ratchet and Clank demo with headphones on. It's really amazing. And you don't need special headphones. You just need headphones to experience it. It's really that cool. So, uh, yeah, I guess just a quick rundown. Um of uh events that are going to come up in the future in the sh- in the short term we got anime expo mini coming up july 3rd july 4th uh that's going to have seemingly stuff related to uh world ends with you we don't know if there's going to be anything related to kingdom hearts but we'll have to see uh there's going to be uh an xbox event in july i don't know exactly when but that's when xbox is going to do their stuff and uh all I can say is, man, they've been throwing a lot of money at Japanese companies, so who knows? Maybe Square might have something there. And I'm uh, sure. Yeah. So and and then the, finally, uh, there will be another PlayStation event in August, 
And uh, yeah, so far, it seems like Churro, like both Microsoft and Sony are in holding patterns. They are in a stalemate. Neither of them wants to reveal the price of their console because, you know, they want to undercut the other guy. So it's just like, I don't know, who knows what's going to happen here in this, this showdown, so to speak. Churro, which console do you think will be cheaper? I th- I think do you th- do you think they will be cheaper? Do you think they're going to be exactly identical? Be identical. Okay. Because basically, if Microsoft announces their Xbox as like say four ninety nine, mm-hmm. you better believe that their cheapest, the place Sony's cheapest one will be four ninety nine. Well, if you want the like yeah, the, at least know, the digital version, the digital version. If you want the the disc version, you get like a have to spend another hundred dollars on it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, gonna be hard to hard to see. Like I, I have I have no ideas. It's like anybody's race. Who knows when they're gonna announce the price it's, of their console? It's just whoever wants to do it first. And lately, it's been Microsoft been taking the the lead on everything. You know, the first to release a trailer during the yep. Game Awards mm-hmm. to showing their console first. You know, the Series X first. Now, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Microsoft's gonna reveal pricing yeah. uh, date and probably launch titles first i kind of feel like it's l- almost less about going first and more like who can last the longest without announcing <laughs> who needs to announce it first and i'm not sure who that is yet so we'll have to see i, I definitely think Mar- microsoft has been very confident yeah so you know, I think that they're going to be like, you know what, we're going to take the lead on this. Like we always, like we start, like they're the ones that kicked it off. So they're, they're good. They're definitely going to be the ones that start everything with Sony kind of like watching them and then trying to react. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to our question segment. I think we're just going to take, uh, this first one here for this episode. So, uh, this question comes from underrated kitty and they ask, Square didn't show Kingdom Hearts at the Sony event. Is there no hope for a big Kingdom Hearts announcement this year? Are we going to be playing Kingdom Hearts 4 in the year 2099? Well, first off, neither of us are going to be alive. <laughs> yeah. 2099. Um, but, uh, there's, there's, unfortunately, it just sucks because of the whole covid yeah covid19 it really makes everything confusing for a lot of this stuff i i think that they i think covid has really put a big delay in everything because everybody has to work from home yep and then you know and then we don't know for sure if ever i mean in reality nothing's ever going to go back to normal like yeah it is so this is like our new reality so i there i mean i wouldn't i would be very actually i went from Earlier this year, I went from, you know, there's got to be at least one announcement this year in regards to Kingdom Hearts to, mm-hmm. I would I would be more surprised if there were announcements this year for Kingdom yeah. Hearts. So yeah, that's... I per- I'm with you, Chirata. I personally don't, re- re- I personally don't believe any big ones are going to be coming this year. But we have to keep in mind that just this year, we got Kingdom Hearts 3 Reminds. And just last year, we got Kingdom Hearts 3 and they did give us a good idea of what the future is like, and we do have Dark Road this year. So, and not only that, like Nomura's confirmed, there's several games in production. So, 
but at the same point, like you said, it all got thrown out of whack because of COVID. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because so, you know, if if a mobile game like Dark Road got deleted, yeah, you know, there's there's chances that everything else got deleted as well. That's why, like, it's a game like Project Athia, we all know that Project Athia is not the official title. It's more like yeah. a, something to release in that format, you know, yep. pre-alpha. Like a lot of a lot of the games from the PS5 and were all like pre-alpha. Yep, they really are. So, so it's it's I think that for them, you know, getting Dark Road out is probably like their thing for you know Kingdom Hearts this year. Agreed. With with everything that's going on in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, sorry to say, but yeah, we probably won't be getting anything too huge this year, but I would say don't fret too much. It's, you know, we did get a lot this year, you know, with Reminds, we're getting Dark Road, you know, once Dark Road's out, I feel like this is all going to be a lot better. They'll have, you know, you know, Dark Road, it's pretty easy to make content for these kinds of games, you know. They use a lot of the same assets over and over again, so that part is not too difficult. But uh, yeah, I'm sure by now they probably have a thing figured out for uh, their bigger games in production. Maybe things have been delayed, but I'm sure they're back in uh, back in business by now. I will just say personally, for me, uh, you know, school is not just back in session it has been back in session we've been back in session since uh mid may so we're already over a month back in school everything is completely back open uh all of the uh states of emergency across japan have been lifted they've been lifted since earlier this month um you know, public transportation still around. So, yeah, I, I kind of wonder like how much work from home is going on. Like every every in, every industry is different. I know for a, at least for schools, um, I know some colleges here still are doing online classes. Some of them are doing online classes until mid July, and then for other schools, they're just straight up open again. With like mine, my school is just straight up open. I see the kids, I go to the classes. We are all required to wear face masks during class and have the windows open, and that makes things very hot. You know, you have a face mask on your face, and then you have to deal with Japanese summer directly. It makes it very hot inside. I'm talking like Churro, I'm not kidding you. Uh, we have a thermometer that has a uh, humid, like detects humidity in the classroom 80 percent humidity inside 80 percent it was rough so that's uh yeah so i i'll just say that my guess is that things are probably maybe not back to normal but i think they're probably productive again by this point you know, and in, in, in all their development teams, that's my guess. Um, but can't say a hundred percent. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see how things go for the future. But good news, hey, Dark Road, it's coming. Looks good. It's coming. All right, so our music for this episode comes from Lot of Guitar on uh, YouTube, and this is a cover, uh, a classical guitar cover of the Kingdom Hearts Three version of Dearly Beloved. Hope you enjoy it. 
Our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 30th of June. And as always, if you guys like our show, please consider to subscribing to us, Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, on the iTunes Store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts, and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com, Spotify, or... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at Kingdom Hearts uh, Union. And remember, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And send us your questions to KHUQuestions at Gmail. Dot com. All right, Churro. We did it. We did it. We got news. We got news. We saw a new yeah. console. We saw the new generation. <clears throat> everything looks beautiful. I like it. Well, everything except the <laughs> except the PlayStation 5. The actual hardware does not look so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the future, is, future of gaming looks bright right now. Yeah. The future of gaming then- looks bright. Just don't look at the console. And not only that, we got Persona on PC now. Yes, which I, which I, by the way, have already bought and downloaded. I will just say, if anybody wants to get a good idea of what uh, my life is like, it is Persona 4. My life has been Persona 4 for the past five years, and uh, I, I wouldn't change anything about it. Uh, well, it's, it's Persona 4 mixed with a little bit of Persona 5, just because Persona 5 is more up-to-date. Oh, well, even even the Phantom Thievery and all that, too? Well, not the Phantom Thievery. Okay. I mean, just oh. the world. Oh, you, you got my hopes up. Yeah. No, not the, not the Phantom Thievery part. I'll, I'll, Brandon, I will say... Brandon's I, a Phantom Thief. <laughs> That's my secret. But uh, uh, in at least when I was playing Persona 5 for the first time, I was very taken aback. I, I did mention it on Twitter, but I straight up have a full outfit that one of the NPCs in Persona 5 has, I straight up have the exact outfit that he has. And it wasn't that I saw Persona 5 and then went out and bought that outfit. It was that I literally already owned that exact shirt, those exact pants, and the shoes that that he has because basically all of the outfits for the NPCs they designed them to be similar to the kind of fashion that they sell at Uniqlo which is like it's kind of like the Japanese version of the Gap or Old Navy it's like a very basic everybody goes there everybody shops there it's like easy quick fashion to buy it's you know you just go there you buy stuff you know it's going to look good but you're you know you're going to look like about 500 other people that you see on the street every day and I had that so much so that there's literally an NPC that looks just like me wearing his clothes. It's it's wild. So basically, I exist in Persona 5, but my life is more like Persona 4. All right, Chero. That's everything. Say your goodbyes. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We're almost at 200. Yep. Not too much longer. I'm Brandon, saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.
Thank you.